Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to the book of Psalms. Psalm 78 today. Psalm 78. Father's Day. Man, I, I tell you what, this is one of those days every year that I get very emotional because I have a passion to, to challenge dads to be everything that God intends us to be. And I are one. So every Father's Day, I get to preach a sermon to myself. Um, Psalm chapter 78, you know, uh, a few years ago, I sat in a room with 12 other men, and we were starting a a doctoral program study, and they asked each man in the room to share their story. And so we started it with one guy. We just went around this table, 12 guys. And as I listened to the stories of these men, they, they talked about, their childhood. They talked about being teenagers. They talked about uh, getting married. They talked about their whole life from beginning to end. Each guy's story took about 30, 40 minutes. It was an incredible day. But as we got about halfway around the room, I realized that every man talked about his dad. And so I thought, I'm going to make a note of this. Got all the way around the room, all the way back around to the guy I actually was, had already talked, but got around to the, the guy that ended the thing. And I thought, every man in this room spoke of his father when he said his story. Now, I wish I could tell you that every man in that room talked about how great their dad was, what a shining example of a godly man that their father was, but uh, out of that, that room of pastors and ministers, half of those guys had broken-hearted stories to tell about their fathers, their father's unfaithfulness, their father's deserting them, their father's abusing them. It just broke my heart. But it, it reinforced the truth that dads make an impact on our kids. Dads, you make an impact. We, we make a big deal about moms on Mother's Day, but let me tell you guys, God gave us the responsibility. God made us the captain of that ship, and we need to fulfill that responsibility. Sad to say, some of those guys, as they shared their story, they didn't tell about how their, God, their father had communicated truth to them. They talked about how their dad had hidden the truth from them. I want us to talk about that today. As dads, are we going to conceal the truth to the next generation, or are we going to reveal it? Psalm 78. Listen to what the psalmist says. Hear his heart, his passion. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known. And our fathers have told us, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the next generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, he commanded, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. That the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, 
but keep his commandments. And not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. In a relay race, there's several ways you can lose that race. You can still run the race, you can still be fast. A couple of things that'll ruin it in a relay race. One is if you get outside your lane. I've watched that on the Olympics where this team ran and they did a great job, but at the end they say, this one's disqualified because, and they'll show the tape, and that person got out of the lane. Another way you can lose a relay race is if you fumble on the handoff of the baton. Have you watched that? Either didn't hand it off in the prescribed lines that you have on the track or drop the baton. I think about fathering, parenting as a relay race, but it's more than a relay because the psalmist talks about the next generation and the next generation. It's a marathon relay, if there is such a thing, where the baton has to be passed off from father to father to father to father and on down to the next generation. God's called us, guys, to be those who pass the baton faithfully and effectively. So let's look at six key truths from this passage about how we can be the ones who pass on the baton. First thing I want us to do is is see the the cry of the heart of the psalmist. Listen to a passionate appeal. Number one, listen to a passionate appeal. You need to understand as the psalmist writes, he's writing and sharing his heart, but it's the inspired word of God. God's Holy Spirit is sharing his heart with the people who read through the psalmist. So when you listen to the, the heart of the psalmist, when you listen to his passion, and he says, listen, incline, it means give attention to what I'm saying. This passionate appeal by the psalmist is really a passionate appeal by our Heavenly Father. He says, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. You need to tune in to what I'm saying. I had a teacher in grade school, and she would say, you, you hear me, but you're not listening to me. I learned there's a difference. He says, listen to my words. Verse 2, I open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings. The psalmist says, I'm going to give you an illustration of how important it is for you to pass the truth of who God is from one generation to another. That word parable there just refers to a story that illustrates. And the dark sayings are just hidden truths that they hadn't completely grasped yet. His passion is, I want everybody to hear what I have to say. Listen to that, that passion that comes through this, this appeal that he's making to us. When he, in other place in this passage where he says we're to teach the children in verse 5, that they should teach them. That means to communicate to them in such a way that they would understand and it would make a spiritual impact on their life. Here's what the psalmist says. He's, he's screaming, dads, don't miss this truth. It's passionate. Why? Because God is passionate about fathers. Guys, God pursues us in a way that he doesn't pursue others because he knows that he's given us this responsibility as a father. Listen to this passionate appeal. We're not going to read all of Psalm 78. I encourage you to go home and read it. But basically what the psalmist does through the rest of the psalm is he describes how the children of Israel had messed up in this handoff. God had given them this responsibility to take the truth from one generation to the next. It's incredible to me. You know, Jesus entrusted 12 disciples to communicate truth to the world. God, in the nation of Israel, entrusted fathers to do that. The rest of the psalm is this historical narrative 
of how they had messed up. And what they had done was they had become indifferent to the truth that God is Lord. Now you say as a dad, well, Pastor, I never intentionally would hide the truth from my kids. I would never intentionally hide who God is from my kids. But by the indifference of the children of Israel, as they finished up their wandering in the wilderness, and then ultimately got in the land, their indifference led them to conceal the truth from their kids. So the the psalmist says, I want to shake you out of your indifference. I want to shake you out of your apathy. It's It's more than just another psalm. This one has a heart to it that's crying out to dads. Number two. We're going to listen to that passion appeal. Number two, he says, look at the past. Take a look at the past. Look at the history. Look at the past. Boy, that's so important. Look at verse three with me. He says, I'm going to tell you about these sayings, what's happened. He says in verse three, which we have heard and have known and our fathers have told us. He says there's a history here. It's been communicated Before the written word of God was the written word of God, generation after generation passed the truth on to their kids. There's a history here. Look also with me at verse 5. He says, for he, for God established a testimony in Jacob. That's uh, that's just another word for Israel. And appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should teach their children. He says, here's what happened. God established his word, his truth, with that one generation that came out of Exodus, that came out of Egypt in the Exodus. And he entrusted that generation to pass it on to the next. He established a testimony with them. When they were in the wilderness, he established his law. He says, now you take this and you teach your children well. Make a good song, wouldn't it? That's my generation, right? Those of you all know Crosby still, that teach your children, okay. Maybe they got it from here, I don't know. He says, look at the past, and the rest of the psalm looks at the past. Remember how God raised up a deliverer named Moses? Remember how he called the people to watch the signs of God and all the plagues? Remember how Pharaoh said, get out of here, when initially Pharaoh said, you can't go? Remember that? He says, remember that. Remember how you went across the Red Sea and and the armies of Pharaoh were drowned? Remember how you walked through the wilderness and God brought you to the promised land? Remember that. Remember how God gave you this land flowing with milk and honey. Remember that. Oh, yeah. Remember how your fathers looked at the land and said, there are giants in the land. The cities are fortified. We can't do it. Remember that. Remember how God said to that generation, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years so that generation dies off because of your disobedience. Remember that. Remember how when you got in the land, you disobeyed. So there's remembering what God had done and remembering how they had disobeyed. Look at the history. Bottom line here, the fathers didn't follow God as he asked them to. Bottom line. The guys we can't say, well, my dad didn't know any better, so I don't know any better. My dad didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to raise me, so I don't know how to raise my kids. There's no excuse nowadays. Once upon a time, maybe, but now there is so much encouragement out there by way of uh, reading material, sermons, studies that you can do that show us the, the godly man that we're called to do. So you can't look back at the history and say, I've got an excuse. But you do have to look back and understand where we've, our parents may have made mistakes. We need to look back as a church and see maybe as churches where we've made mistakes and learn from those things. Take a look at the past 
Those events remind you of the activity of God. And basically, the fathers didn't follow God. That leads us to number three. And he wanted them to do this, and and I believe God wants us to do this, dads. Lose that baggage from the past. Lose the baggage. I look back at stuff my dad did or shouldn't have done, and I can get so worked up about it. I had a great dad. He loved the Lord. He was a giver. He was, he was a great dad. But I just look at stuff in my life. I wish he'd have done that differently. Man, it had been so much better if my dad had done this or not done that. You can do that. It's okay to look back at that, learn from it, but sometimes you just need to move on. You have baggage. You come in this place on Sunday morning, and you say everything's great, and you celebrate the Lord, but deep down inside, you got hurts. You've got resentment, you've got bitterness, lose it. The psalmist says, this is Kevin's paraphrase of Psalm 78, yeah, it was pretty bad, God was really good, now let's move on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure, it may not have been the way you wanted it to be. Look at how God was in the situation anyway and move on with God. Lose that negative baggage. There were some bad decisions made. Move on. I read about an eight-year-old boy who was walking home, or walking down the street. I don't know where he was headed. A man pulled up in a car and rolled down the window and said, hey, kid, get in the car. I'll give you $10 and a piece of candy. And he knew he ignored the man, and the car drove a little bit. The kid walked a little more, and the guy rolled down the window again and said, hey, kid, I'll give you $20 and a bag of candy. He just ignored him, walked a little bit further. Finally, the car pulled up again and rolled down the road. Listen, kid, I'll give you $50 and all the candy you want to eat. The kid walked over and leaned in the window and said, Look, Dad, you're the one that bought this Yugo. You're going to have to live with it. We make bad decisions that we just have to live with. But I think some of us in this room today need to hear guys move on. If you repent and you ask God's forgiveness, you have God's forgiveness if you're a believer in Christ. The next step is for you to forgive yourself. You say, if only I had done it this way, my kids would be this way. Forgive yourself. Move on. Lose that negative baggage from the past. Number four, we are to learn a valuable faith lesson. Learn a valuable faith lesson. Look at verse 7. He says that God gave them all this, that God taught them all these things. Verse 7 says, so that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Isn't that good? You know know how you put your confidence in someone? Verse 7, how they put their confidence in God? You look back at the track record of God. And you're able to put your confidence in him. I'm standing up here on this ship. What's it called? SS Hope? Is that what it says over there? This would be a great, great, if I was smart, I'd have planned a Noah's Ark sermon today. The children of of God looked back at the ark and said, look at what God had done. There's a lesson in faith there, how God spared them. Then you start tracking all the way through the Old Testament. And whenever God called someone, he would say something like this. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and I want you to do this, that, and this other thing. 
You, you track it. You follow the prophets. You follow godly men and women that God raised up. He would say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Why? Because they forgot his name. Here's what he's saying. I'm the God who gave Abraham a place and called him by name and gave him a blessing. I'm the God who called Isaac. I'm the God who called Jacob. I'm the God who established the people of God. When he gave him a command, gave people a command, and he named all of those names, he was saying, I did it for him, 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 I'll do it for you. I love that. God says, I'm faithful, so since I'm faithful, you can trust me. Verse 7, all that went on, God establishing a name, God establishing a covenant with them, God establishing his word, so that God could remind them of who he was, what he had done, so that they would put their confidence in him. The psalmist wanted those fathers to learn a valuable faith lesson, that you can trust God. Let me tell you something. That's one of the most valuable lessons you can learn as a father. You can trust God. You might look at the situation and say, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why, but you can still trust God. Put your confidence in him. Place your faith in him. Dads, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you haven't made the most important decision of your life. I'll even say it this way. If you're a father and you haven't trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you haven't made the most important decision for your family. I'll even say it in another way. If you're a father and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, you have not yet made the most important decision for your grandkids and their kids and their kids. See, there's a godly heritage that starts with dad. And if you want to transform your family, you learn that faith lesson. That God loves you so much that he sent Christ to die for you. By faith, you can receive him as your own personal Lord and Savior. That's where it starts. That's, that's the faith lesson. And if you know him as Savior, walk with him. Your kids ought to be able to look at you. Your wife ought to be able to look at you and say, that's the kind of walk with God I want. That's the kind of godliness I desire. Those people around us should look at us and see that. We get so distracted with the things of this life, we don't learn the most important lessons. I read recently about a junior high basketball game. They just say junior high and basketball together, and that right there, that's, a, that's interesting. Well, it was a tie game. It was down to six seconds left, and the referee is standing at the sidelines, and he's got his whistle, and he's about to hand the ball off to this guy to bring it in bounds. As soon as he blows his whistle, before he can hand the ball off, a member of that team goes to about center court, gets down on his hands and knees, and starts barking. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody on the opposing team stopped and looked at the guy barking. Yeah, you know the story. He handed it to the guy under the basket, and they scored. Game over. The coach in the locker room said, guys, we just got dogged today. That's what happened. <laughs> but I don't know if that really happened. It's told like it really happened. I can see it happening. I can see some coach pulling that out. This is our special play if it gets down to the wire. <laughs> it worked. They won. I'm sure there were some angry people. But I tell you what, 
Those boys who lost that game by being distracted by that barking dog probably were never distracted again by any antics on the basketball court. They learned their lesson. Guys, I don't know what it's going to take for some of us to learn our lesson. That God loves you. He cares for you. He's given you a responsibility, an obligation, a privilege to be the spiritual leader of your home. Learn that lesson. Number five, long for a better future. Long for a better future. Look at verse six with me. That the generation to come may know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. That's the Hebrew poetic way of saying the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. Here's what he says to dads. Long for your kids, kids, and their kids, and their kids. To have a hope in Christ to have a desire to walk in obedience with God. Long for that. This psalmist says, this is my passion, that every generation that comes from now on would have a heart for God. Guys, do you long for that for your family? Is that the desire of your heart? That, that your, your kids have a walk with God? Is it the desire of your heart that their kids have a walk with God? Is the desire of your heart that their spouses, if they should marry someday, <laughs> I'm still praying for my kids. Someday, God may bring people into their life, and we'll have grandkids. Someday. And, and I pray for them. It's the desire of my heart that, that the legacy that was started with my dad and with Kelly's dad in those two homes, and as we came together, the legacy that I now pass on, the heritage, would just continue from generation to generation. I long for that. I'm so excited when these families go on mission trips together. I just think it's so neat when a dad, like Sean did, took his kids to Haiti and they got to work side by side. Man, what a life lesson. I think about the Kennedys who went to, Thai, well, uh, Thai, to Thailand and, and took their kids with them. That's passing on that heritage. Long for a future where your kids would walk like you walk with God. You long it for your long for that for your children, you long for that for your grandchildren. I heard about a little boy went to his mom and said, they were talking and she told him some things, so he went to grandpa, he said, hey grandpa, make a noise like a frog. And he said, make a noise like a frog, why? Because mom says when you croak, we're all going to Disney World. <laughs> I hope that your impact on your grandkids is better than that. But that's what we desire. Number six, linger with your children. Linger with your children. Again, verse six says that that generation may know, linger with them. First Timothy 5.8 says, if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We usually apply that to the father should provide financially for his family. Can I tell you there's more to it than that? Not only financial provision is my responsibility as a dad, but spiritual provision. Too many guys say, man, I've done my job. I have provided for my family. I had a conversation with a, a family one time, and 
the marriage was just about to break up and there were kids in the home and, and the more we talked with his husband and wife, the more we got this loud and clear message. The wife and children felt unloved and unappreciated and the father husband could not understand why they didn't get it. And he said over and over again, I work so hard to provide and buy everything you all want and need. You have a nice house. We have a nice car. The kids have toys. I've worked so hard. How could you say, I don't love you? And I would hear the wife say repeatedly in this time we work together, you're not hearing me. We don't want the stuff. We want you. We want you. And y'all, he never got it. He never got it. Providing for the family is more than just making sure there's a roof over their head. It is coming alongside of the family and loving them, nurturing them, shaping them. Let's look at my favorite passage about lingering with the children. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's still there. I don't know this, but I think this, that the psalmist had this in mind when he wrote Psalm 78. Listen to God's instruction in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Now if we just stopped right there, what's God saying? He's saying to his people, you need to love me with your whole heart. You need to have a passion in your relationship with me. But then look what he says in verse 6. In verse 7. You shall teach them to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way when you lie down, and when you rise up. He doesn't say, you're going to teach your children about God by dropping them off at church. He doesn't say, you're going to teach your children about God by sending them to a Christian school. He doesn't say, you're going to teach your children about God by making sure that they're there every time the doors open. He says, dads, he says, parents, you teach them to your kids as you talk as you walk, as you lie down, as you sit, as you rise up, it needs to be in the fabric of your life. You need to spend time with your kids passing on this godly heritage. It's that simple. Linger with them. Look at verse, 21, uh, verse 20. Here's the why. Here's the, here's the outcome of this. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, what do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? In other words, all these things that they've been taught and you've been passing along. Your son says, what do all these mean? Then you shall say to your son. And the rest of the chapter is, this is what God did. When your son asks you, you're involved in his life and you can communicate that truth to him. And guys, it can't be done long distance. It can't be done by somebody else. I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it. It can't be done by mama. I love moms. I came to know Christ because of the prayers of my mom, but folks, God gave the responsibility to us as men to be the ones who pass the baton. 
In the 1970s, James Dobson had written a book that was very popular, and he was making the circuit. He was going from church to conference all over the country, teaching his principles on parenting. In his own words, he, he was burning the candle at both ends. And he was on his way from one conference to another of that, that cram-packed schedule of speaking engagements. And he opened a letter from his father while he was on the airplane. And there was one line in that letter that his dad wrote him, and it said this, Don't sacrifice your kids for your career. He got his attention. And as soon as he could, he canceled all his speaking engagements. And he did the film series that catapulted him into notoriety in the radio program. But he did that in such a way that he could be with his family. Guys, do we need a letter that says, don't sacrifice your kids for your career? Do we need a letter that says, don't sacrifice the next generation for your hobbies? Don't sacrifice your kids because of your indifference? Fellas, God has called us to love our kids, to learn that truth about who he is and to pass it to the next generation. Some tornadoes touched ground in Minnesota this last week. And I watched a lady share her testimony on the news from Mentor, Minnesota. Her name is Heidi. And she said, my dad, my dad saved my life. And she told about how a tornado was coming their way in their gas station. And he got word of it and saw it was coming. He ran in. He took Heidi, his daughter, and another lady who worked there and shielded them from this tornado. He tried to get them in the cooler. And he ended up just covering them up as the tornado went by and as the debris flew. And he died, saving the life of his daughter. And what a, what a heartache. But guys, that's what God's called us to do. Now, probably every man in this room who's a dad would say, I'd do the same thing. I would die for my kids to protect them. Let me ask you something. Would you be willing to change your life so that you could protect your kids and the next generation from the attacks of the enemy, Satan himself? Would you be willing to say, not only would I die for my kids, I will die for Christ. I will lay my life down. Because guys, that's what it's going to take to make a difference. Nothing short of that is going to cut it.